Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We support our local team and our local brewery, Phantom Brewery, and they've decided to support us back and you guys by offering a 10% off code EPR10 when used on their website, phantombrew.com will get you 10% off anything you order this season. That code again, EPR10 at phantombrew.com. LaFondra looking to get cold side of Fox. LaFondra away from Davis. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to another season of the Elm Park Royals preview podcast. This year, sponsored by Phantom Brewing Co. down in Reading. Well, well, it's upon us already. The summer has flown by. It's time to get the football underway for yet another campaign. Opponent number one is Blackpool, all the way up in sunny Blackpool. It's quite novel to be going up there at the start of the year when Reading fans can go for the weekend and get a few beers in. This is the show where usually we get on a combination of an opposition fan from a fellow blog on the interwebs and also a member of the assembled Reading press, usually in the form of our friends Jonathan Lowe and James Earnshaw at the uh, Reading Post or a Get Reading, or Barcher Live, whatever it's called nowadays, and the Reading Chronicle. However, both of them are enjoying their holly bobs as we speak. So, this week you've got me and Mr Blackpool himself, John from Up the Mighty Pool. Before we speak to him, let's look at the form between the two teams ahead of the weekend. Uh, nicely enough, it's fairly balanced, as all things should be. Uh, it's It currently reads two wins, two losses, and two draws between the two teams in our six encounters. So it's on a knife edge heading into Saturday. Let's hear from John now to see what he makes of Reading and his own side ahead of Saturday's game. This is Jacob Southcline. and I'll see you at the other end. Hello, I'm joined now by Tom from Up the Mighty Pool, who are opponent one of one of the 22-23 championship season. And uh, similar sort of season we had last time out. I mean, yours wasn't half, well, quite as as uh, desperate as ours got towards the end. But 16th place last season, Blackpool. Tom, how did you feel last campaign went out generally? It's got to go down as a good season. You know, this is the first time, the first campaign that we've had in, you know, coming up to 10 years, really, um, given the, the turmoil that we had under the previous regime and... Uh, uh, getting time and saddle on board, and unfortunately making it out of the pandemic and getting back into the championship, which was, you know, we're we were buzzing this time last year, and and long may that continue. Really, you know, it was a 
I suppose a mixed bag in the end because we had a tough start followed by a really good probably six months. And then when you get towards February, March, you know, the most positive Blackpool fans are probably dreaming of the playoffs given how mm. the success we've had at that level, uh, you know, in that sort of end of the season run. In the end, we sort of petered out, had a couple of disappointing results, particularly against our neighbours up the road and a couple of others. And, and in the end, we we we. I thought we might have got top half, maybe 12th, something like that, and we dropped into 16th, which was slightly disappointing. But overall, I think we've got the best finish for a playoff team coming up in the first season for a number yeah. of years. So it went down as a really good season. Well, that's it, because so often you have teams that come up from League One and just return back to the third tier at the first attempt. But for Blackpool to, like you say, be looking up the table rather than downwards for large parts of the year and then only to peter off towards the end can probably be considered a, a good campaign on the whole. I mean, the, in terms of forward planning for next season, that's been disrupted somewhat by the, the loss of your manager um, who was unexpectedly departed to become Stephen Gerrard's assistant at, at Villa. Do you want to talk to us a little about that? Yeah, it still hurts, to be honest. It's, a, it's a, about six weeks since it happened and it's still... Cuts me deep. Um, it came out of the blue, which was really, you know, that's the hardest way sometimes, isn't it? When we were, yeah, like you say, we were thinking about next season, onwards and upwards, thinking potentially pushing for top half, um, mid-table, comfortable, carry on that momentum that we've been building for the last couple of years. And straight out of nowhere, with no sort of forewarning, he was gone overnight. And um, there weren't really that many people lined up to replace him. Uh, the rumours are that we went after Liam Rossinia and obviously what mm. happened with... Rooney at Derby, it transpired that it was probably he probably got a tip off that he was going choice, which was Michael Appleton, who walked out on us ten years ago. Um, obviously, previously played for Preston as well. So initially, it was just a little bit underwhelming with that appointment, um, and and there was a little bit of panic starting to set in at the, about three or four weeks ago, given you know how slow it, we took a couple of weeks to appoint, and then. We didn't have it. We sort of had to put all the recruitment on hold. So while it was perfect timing in a way where we can get a new manager in and start the full pre-season and start to bed the players in, it did sort of hold us back in the early summer weeks. So we're a little bit on the back foot, but just fortunately in the last few days we seem to be um, starting to make a few signings and, and looking forwards. And the, the signs in pre-season have been decent in terms of the style of play and. Um, just the things that they've been, you know, the manager's been saying in the press and things like that, we're starting to be a little bit more positive. And I think mm. it will be long forgotten if we can have a good start to the season. So I think Saturday's a pretty big game for us, just given all the turmoil that we've had in the summer and a little bit of negativity creeping in for the first time under this new uh, stewardship of Simon Sadler. So there's a little bit of pressure already on, on Saturday's game, to be honest. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's running fans will know whenever, I mean, We've had more managers than hot dinners in the last few years. Like, we seem to change our manager every season and a half. But, like you touched upon, Tom, the timing of it, it's because everything goes out the window. It's not just, you know, the, the man in charge, the playing style, it's the recruitment side. And on the subject of the recruitment, I know you brought it up there, but I've been looking down your list of arrivals this, this summer. Who really jumps out to you in, in terms of who you've managed to pick up and who you reckon can make an impact for you? It's a tricky one, really. I think we made our first signing 12 days ago or, you know, a couple of weeks before the start of the season. So we've not seen much of them. Uh, Luis Fiorini was the first one to come in and he's looked decent in pre-season. So 
previously we had two defensive midfielders who would just sit and whereas it, it was a big frustration for fans under Critchley whereas Appleton like I mentioned has changed the style a little bit and we've got one defensive midfielder and two in front and Fiorini is one of those two who looks like he might start on Saturday he's on loan from Man City he was at Lincoln last year with with Appleton so he's caught the eye looks like he's he tries something different from midfield um, we've also brought a couple of loans in um, from the Premier League so Reese Williams is a centre half we've not seen much of him but he was at Swansea last year and you know he's, he's played at this level, so it could be a good good addition. And then we've just signed Corbinu from Wolves as well, who's a tricky winger. So potentially see him from the bench and he's, a, he's got to be an exciting player. Uh, the only permanent sign we've made is Dom Thompson from Brentford, who's a left-back. I think we've been crying out for new full-backs all summer. So that's another one where you probably expect him to start from the off and, and hopefully be capable of playing at this level. So... To be honest, not any of them are particularly getting you off the edge of your seat, but at the same time, you'd expect them all to be in and around the first team as well, which is what we needed. Sure, and if it's all about consolidation, all it really, you know, you don't necessarily need like marquee signings. It's all about one or two to keep you ticking over. The interesting thing is um, Reese Williams is a name that's cropped up in the past for Reading. I think we were linked with him before he ended up in, in your neck of the woods and still young and, you know, plenty of time to develop as well. You're talking about your fullbacks. <laughs> Reading fans uh, will be crying out for any sort of left back to arrive before the start of, of of the season. It's not likely to happen now, but we don't have a registered left back at the club. So um, the managerial mastermind that is Paul Ince, obviously who is a known <laughs> quantity to you guys, has opted to set us up in in a bit of a three back formation during pre season. So in terms of the shape. Um, Appleton, who didn't really set the world on fire at Lincoln last season, how do you reckon he's going to set up for the weekend? Is are you looking at? I, I saw whisperings that it's really going to be like a four-three-three. Yeah, is that? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so under Critchley it was a, a flat four-four-two. Really, you'd have two defensive mids, two wingers, and Gary Medine with his partner, whoever that was up front, um, which worked. You know, it, it was pretty good, and I, I was on board with it, but. Now we've changed manager. The one positive to come from that change is being a little bit more fluid and um, trying to do more on the ball rather than worry about the opposition. So it could go either way, but it's going to be a four-three-three with a you know with the one sitting in front of the defence with the two in front and then two sort of inside forwards and one striker up front. So there's a little bit of a question mark at the minute on the squad because we've got four strikers and we're only going to be playing one. We've just signed a winger today and there's another one rumoured, which is Morgan Rogers who might be in for the weekend. Um, so it seems like we've got about six wingers and we're only going to be playing two of them. So we're a little bit top-heavy in the squad at the minute and, the, and there's rumours of you know two or three more coming in. So it feels like there's going to be um, a bit of movement there. But yeah, the, 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 the two in, in front of the one, if that makes sense, in midfield is a really exciting area for us because we've got um, yeah a couple of young players who are looking to take a claim for those spots in midfield and... And uh, hopefully help the front three to just do the attacking rather than having to help out on the defensive side, which had to happen last year a little bit more. Sure. And and on the subject of of arrivals, that that might well be exciting to to Blackpool fans. I was scrolling down the up the mighty pool Twitter feed earlier this afternoon and saw that uh, you've apparently triggered the release clause of Oxford midfielder Cameron Brannigan. Is that right? Correct, yeah. So it's looking like a club record signing if we can get that over the line. I think one thing we've learned this summer is not to uh, get too excited until they sign on the dotted line because we've had a couple <laughs> of rumoured signings and we've pulled out last minute or they've gone somewhere else. So 
Um, yeah, I'm not shouting too loudly up on the rooftops about that just yet, but club record signing just over 1.2 million potentially. Um, it's an undisclosed fee, so we don't know the exact amount, but that will be some statement of intent, really. Um, he's 26, you know, centre midfielder. Looks like he could even be captain material. So I think he's a type of signing where you'd you put him in and he'd be he'd be playing every game, um, making things tick for midfield. So he's exactly what we need, really, and have needed for a couple of years, if I'm honest. So yeah, that's a really exciting one, but we'll keep it under wraps for now until uh, <laughs> until the signing's made. Yeah, it's never official until it's official, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Reading fans know that. And also, they'll be thanking you for doing anything to to weaken Oxford United. Because even though we're not in the same division as them anymore, we like to see them in the mud. So, so cheers. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be sending like an email of thanks to your owners or, or something. But uh, Right, so we talked a little about your, your general hopes in terms of like how the team's going to set up, how last season went. I suppose the big question is now that you've had your change of manager and things are starting to take shape ahead of kickoff on Saturday, talk to me about where you're expecting to finish by May because it's a long old season. You saw last season there can be plenty of ups and ups and downs, but now that this this your second season back in the league and you acquitted yourself well by all accounts last year, put your cards on the table and where are Blackpool finishing? So I'd like to think I'm quite positive, and even so. I was going for about 18th and then I looked. So we finished 16th last year, so slightly below. And I think most fans would take that. Similar sort of ballpark region as last year. Um, however, looking down the league table, I couldn't actually think of five or six teams <laughs> potentially worse than us at the moment. Um, I think we'll be okay, definitely. And, and I want to nail my colours to the mast on that. But I think last year we were lucky in that there was a couple of teams with points deductions. No one expected Barnsley to be so poor. Obviously, Reading yourselves dropped off a little bit with yeah. a horrific appointment of Paul Ince. <laughs> um, so the teams that have come up have strengthened, you know, particularly Sunderland are looking good. Um, you've got Wigan and Rotherham who you'd expect to maybe struggle a little bit, similar sort of bracket to the pair of us. Um, and there's not many others, is there really? So... Teams like Bristol City and Hull look like they're doing business and and you would have maybe had them down there and they've made some good signings. Sunderland, like I mentioned. So I'm going to go for 18th positively, but there's a, there is a danger that we get sucked in there if we have a bad start and, um, you know, things don't work out with a new manager, which is, you know, there's no guarantees either. So, um, yeah, around there. And, and that would do us, you know, it's only the second season at this level. We're fine with... Being around there, not getting too sucked in there and just having a nice calm season if we can. But um, no one's going to be too worried if we're not sort of pushing up to the upper echelons of the league either as well. Sure. Like it's just a solid season of, you know, staying above the dotted line. I think yeah. that's all that Reading fans want too. But as we speak, I mean, if, if you're one of these people that listen to the bookies and their odds, Reading is still favourites to go down, but have probably given themselves more of a fighting chance with, with picking up the odd savvy freebie and everyone else's, you know, dirty seconds. So I don't know. It's, it's, um, we've, you've talked about Paul Ince and, and the appointment of him and how he did just enough to get us above the dotted line last season. And whether he can repeat the trick this year is, is anyone's guess. I didn't get a chance to speak to you guys on the preview pod last season, but it was back when uh, Matt Williamson was still on, uh, on preview duty. But can you just, without bringing back too many bad memories and ripping open old wounds, what was he like at Blackpool? Because, you know, I just want a first-hand account, really, because you read it all in the papers about how it's a disaster, but just how did it go down with Paul Ince at Blackpool? 
Well, um, how long have we got, really? It was one, <laughs> we, um, we were in a bad place as a club. Let's get that right first. You know, we'd gone through managers like Hot Dinners. We'd been through two or three before he, he arrived. And it was actually Michael Appleton who walked out. So Holloway left us for Palace after we'd obviously just lost in the playoff final. Things were starting to unravel off the pitch. He'd finally had enough. And then we brought in Michael Appleton who lasted six weeks and then he walked out on us, um, mm. which is obviously why we've been a little bit um, reluctant to bring him back. Um, and we were sort of scrapping around and Paul Ince had been watching his son Tom play for us and was sat in the stands watching and we thought, let's give him a go. So, you know, there weren't massive expectations, but that turned into, you know, he, he did make a decent start to the, f- the first full season after seeing us. We were never going down when he came in. He sort of, um, similar to what you had last year, sort of just about stayed up. Um, and we were looking to push on again, and we won the first six games or something like that. It was a club record winning streak at the start of the season, and then he ended up with a touchline ban for getting a, a <laughs> allegedly pulling the assistant linesman up, um, pinning him against the wall by his throat, and um, wow. shouting a load of abuse at him, which hmm. was the start of the end for him. Really, we didn't yeah, win yeah, another yeah. game. I think we won one between then and January, and he was gone. Um, he, he just seemed to be more interested in his son's career, Tom, um, and farming him out to any any club that he could get his hands on, taking him to Inter Milan to try and win him a deal. And uh, he ended up at Hull or something like that. So it didn't yeah. quite work out for that either. So there's just a lot of bad blood with both of them, really. And mm-hmm. they get a lot of, they will get a lot of abuse on Saturday, the pair of them, just because of the way that it became a bit of a circus in the end. Both yeah. Paul trying to, you know, trying to be his, the agent of his son, who was our best player and only real asset. Um, the playing style was horrific, um, and they were just, it was just becoming more toxic. And obviously, after Ince went, it got worse and worse. We ended up in League Two before long, so you can't really blame him too much for the position he had in, a, in as a club. But yeah, he, he didn't win the fans over particularly well either. No, it's it's going to add an extra layer of spice, really, isn't it, to the weekend fiction, knowing the history that you guys have got with with Ince Junior and Ince Senior. And uh, yeah. obviously, Tom is back in Reading as well because after signing on loan for Reading from Stoke last season, funnily enough, he signed. I don't know if there are any parallels here with with what you guys have, but he signed for Tom and signed for Reading on deadline day in January, and then I think less than a fortnight later, his dad was appointed as manager. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, that's and and he was out of contract at Stoke in the summer, and there was this total inevitability about him rocking up to Reading. It was never in doubt that he was going to sign for us. It was, was he was always going to end up at Reading as long as his dad was the manager. But the thing is, Reading fans, we haven't quite had the same like downturn in the relationship yet because he. By all accounts, Tom is playing well for us at the moment and he's probably one of the ones that's going to start on the weekend against you lot. Which leads me on to my next question. In terms of where the goals are coming from for you guys, I know, I think it was Gary Medine was your top scorer last season. And, you know, he's obviously an absolute veteran. Uh, I've I've watched him back when he was um, briefly playing for Coventry, actually, and I always I've always been impressed with him. Where are the goals coming from this season? Is Medine going to keep it up, and is he going? To, is he expected to be top scorer again? I think that's the biggest worry at the moment for us. Um, coupled with we, so we've had a, a brilliant defence for the last two seasons with under Critchley, just by the way he's set up. And I think we're going to be sacrificing some of that to try and get more goals. I think we were one of the lowest scoring Championship sides last year. Um, 
none of our strikers have had double figures in the league. Um, and it comes back down to the tactic situation. We've had two up front and we've had, you know, the classic big man, little man, um, Medine and either Yates or Lavery, who are our two uh, strikers who are a lot more sort of like it on the ground. They do a lot of the press um, and set us up. Jerry Yates was brilliant for us in League One and didn't quite hit the same heights last year. Lavery is a bit more of an impact sub, but um, just an absolute poacher. So... We're switching from the two to the one, and I don't. We've not seen any of them succeed at holding the line on their own. And we we're in for Ellis Sims earlier in the week, who would have probably been that man, and he would have been our striker who, who everything could go through. And that's fallen through, and he's gone to Sunderland. So I think we're in the market for a striker. And I don't think the fans or the manager think that any of the current strikers can be that one man on their own. Mm. Whether, however, I think Yates is the most likely because he's. Got the track record of, of being the best sort of goal scorer um, and with a bit of support from out wide and a little bit of a different style of play, there's, there's every chance that he could. Um, but in a long way of going around the houses to say, there's no clear answer. Um, mm. We'd hope for goals from everywhere. It's one of those where you, you might get five, seven goals from each of your wingers, a few goals from a few of the defenders. Um, Cameron Brannigan's a bit of a goal scoring midfielder, so if he can come in, he's taking the pressure off. Um, but we probably do need that that fifteen to twenty goal man as well. Yeah, and they're so hard to come by nowadays too. Is the thing. I mean, Reading haven't had a twenty goal a season striker since. Well, probably weirdly, Shane Long the first time round. Yeah. He's obviously back back this summer at the ripe old age of thirty five. Eleven years after he left the first time. But Reading fans are quite pleased we've gone to two up top because similar to you guys, we don't really other than Lucas Shaw, who's injury prone, and as we speak, also handily for you guys injured we don't really have strikers who can hold up the ball unless it's him so the fact that we've gone for two and you know that they, they can play off each other you know might well mean that we have a bit of joy against against you guys on the weekend so to wrap up it's it's time for the first score prediction of the season and um and you'll be <coughs> glad to know tom i'm usually useless at these and whenever i predict a win i end up getting egg on my face and whenever i predict to lose you know often the inverse happens too so I think Reading fans would be happy to take a point on the road for our first game this season, in a season where we're expected to struggle as well. So I'm going to go for an optimistic one-all draw. Are you more or less optimistic than me? What, how do you reckon Blackpool are going to do? It really, anything could happen. It's the same every season, isn't it? Isn't it? You're just desperate for that first win just to prove that you're not going to have a horrific season. I think that's just... A, you just need that first win as soon as possible. So... Um, I'm going to have to back us for a win just because there's not many, you know, you get a home game against a team you would expect to be in and around you. You have yeah. to you have to win that and have a strong start to the season. Based on our pre-season, yeah, it, anything could happen. We might get beat 2-0 or we might win 2-0. I'm going to go with a win, a close 2-1 win for the Blackpool. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we, uh, if we draw as well or even get beat. I hope there are goals. You know, I really do because, you know, uncharacteristically for Reading teams in recent years, our defence is looking quite handy at the moment. We, you know, playing our back back three, back five. So, I don't know. I hope we don't get battered. But, you know, knowing me, I've, I'll probably put the kibosh on it now. So Yeah, the, the, the key thing is everything's going to be going through Tom Innes for you. If, if he's anything like the Ince of Blackpool, is going to be saying, 
give it to Thomas, give it to Thomas. That's going to be the tactic. So yeah. we haven't got a right back at the moment. So that probably is your one opportunity where Inter can have a run at our, uh, our standing right back. So you might have, might have some success there, which would be very disappointing from our perspective. I'm taking notes and I'm going to send them to Paul Ince after this podcast. I'm going to, you know, give him a bit of tactical insight because, you know, probably needs it. So, <laughs> yeah. well, he's the one who had that. Uh, he had a notepad that said "shoot" on it, didn't he? From his yeah, mother, yeah, famously. So, when like, when when um when the drum the bombshell was dropped that he was appointed manager, that was one of the first things to like come out on Twitter. <laughs> the fact that he had his famous notepad with "shoot" written on it. So, yeah. Well, I don't know. You never know. It might be he might turn into the next Pep Guardiola this season and prove us both wrong. But somehow I doubt it. So, yeah. all that's left to do then, Tom, is to thank you for coming on and also to shout out the good people over at up the mighty pool uh you can follow them on twitter at utmp underscore that's only that very like there's an economy of letters there there's five letters you know you'll easily find it and uh, they are one of the premier blackpool blogs and pods on the on the internet so please please give them a follow uh, chat to you again in the season at which point reading will probably be 24th and you know <laughs> So, um, but thank you so much for coming on and you guys at home can stay tuned for plenty more of these preview pods and also the post-match pods, which Paul and the gang will be heading up to throughout the season. Until then, take care, up the ding, come on you ours, all that jazz and enjoy the game on Saturday.